0: This is a Crow's Nest Podcast. Welcome back to Titanic Talkline. I am Alexia, and I am really, um, really honored to have been able to do this interview. We had to reschedule it a few... <laughs> few times, excuse me, um, because David travels a lot because he does a lot of exploration and recently this summer was diving to Titanic Um, and I wanted to talk to him not just about that dive, but his experience overall and I think I learned a lot and gained a lot of really valuable um, perspective and insight. I I really hope you guys feel the same, Um, so please enjoy this interview.
1: Either you're blurry or I need my glasses.
0: Uh, (laughs) Doesn't matter, my dog's squeaking anyway. Oh my gosh, Leto. Uh Well, uh, my dog's getting his life together. Would you like to uh, tell everyone who you are? And well, your Titanic story is extremely long, so maybe like <laughs> the beginning of the Titanic story, and then we can get into the to the very cool parts. I just punched my mic.
1: That's okay. Yeah, my name is David McCannan. I have been to the Titanic five times. I've made multiple dives to explore the wreck site. I am not a titaniac or a rivet counter. I'm just a guy who knows the wreck site well, and I've spent about three months of my life out there.
0: When was the first time you went down to the wreck?
1: Uh, In July of 2000, I made the first dive of this century.
0: So you've definitely been able, because you went down, you know, you were just there, like, what was it, two weeks ago? So you've really been able to see the progression of the debris field, the decay, the condition of the wreck. What what do you think doesn't translate well on film and camera that we just like can't see? That when you're down there, you're just like, holy shit.
1: There's been that's so an, much change. That's an excellent question. Uh, so yeah, I just came back from the Titanic about, actually it was about a month ago, but the, I mean, so what? Two weeks, four weeks, doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah. I, and it was my fifth trip out there and I had a chance to get some 4k imagery of the wreck this year and to compare it to my images that I took 22 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, And, and my trips have been spaced out. So five trips, 2000, 2003, 2005, 2021, 2022. So I've had a really good length of time. Two things surprised me. Number one, the rate of deterioration in the last 22 years is significantly accelerated from the first 90 years. I can tell you what it looked like when I got there in 2000. And I can tell you that it looks exponentially worse in just 22 years. And uh, number one, number two, I see a lot of photographs and videos posted on the internet and, And people making comparisons to different expeditions. And the the thing that you have to remember is what you see on those images is based largely on the lights that we used on the submersibles. And the technology for lighting and the color of the lighting. And by that, I mean, if you know photography at all, the, the color spectrum of what you're shooting is significantly better today than it was 20 years ago. And the resolution of the cameras is staggering compared to what we used even 20 years ago. So think about your iPhone or your cell phone camera even 10 years ago. And the the, the resolution that we're able to achieve today is significantly better. However, the human eye doesn't change. Right. So what you see with your eyes 20 years ago and you capture poorly with a camera when you go back and you see it again with your eyes, it doesn't lie, and it's 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 easier to convey it with a photo or a video. But it's which what, what really registers is with your eyes.
0: Exactly. And
1: so, Especially I can give you an all example. That
0: like debris down there too. Sorry.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because so so when you're on the wreck site, if you're recovering artifacts, for example, which I did on my first expedition, leather bags are high value targets because their contents are are preserved and because we can tell the stories of the owners from the contents and nothing outside of a leather bag is preserved. And even the leather isn't well preserved, but the contents are. When you're on the bottom, there's, there's coal and there's Coke. Coke is what was used in the engines and they're the small charcoal briquettes. Coal looks like boulders. And because there were glaciers in this area and we have icebergs every year, they drop boulders around the wreck site. With the light from the sub, you can't tell the difference on video between a boulder and a bag. You have to see it with your eyes and you have to find it with your eyes because you'll never be able to differentiate between the two on video. And so that's just one example. You will look at an object that's the right size and shape to be a bag and eventually because of the angle or the light's different or there's a glint on the metal or something, you can tell it's not a boulder. And it's very, very, very difficult to find a bag. And there haven't been many found. I think probably less than 20. So I know I found four.
0: That does make sense. Because eventually, like, as you said, even just if there was no human intervention, you get, like, boulders dropping down. Stuff does just kind of accumulate there but was there one thing i i I, you were gonna say something and i accidentally cut you off earlier but like was there one thing that you saw especially now versus the 20 years ago not to say the middle isn't significant but just because it's been a greater period of time is there something you saw that just like upset you at how it had degraded or how or why it had degraded like because it had been obviously knocked over or because someone had tried to pull something away where they shouldn't have them, or because there was just a bunch well, of damage.
1: Yes to the first and no to the second part of the question. So it's overhyped that damage has been done to the rec site because of inter- human intervention. That's really, it's, there are instances of, of, of human contact with the rec site where something's been pulled off, but they're very, very minimal. And when you're in the sub, Your primary concern is surfacing at the end of the day. You don't want to get stuck there. So there's cables and debris and railings and all kinds of things around the wreck that make it very, very, very unsafe to be close to the wreck site. Not the wreck site, but the wreck, the ship itself. I'm thinking primarily the bow. The stern is really dangerous, really, really dangerous. So you don't really land on the deck and start pulling things off the wall. It's, it's disingenuous to suggest that that happens. Now it has happened. Some things like light fixtures and things have been removed, but it's very, very rare. One of the things that upsets me and and it's kind of surprising is we kind of use, we don't kind of, we do actually use captain Smith's bathtub as a barometer to tell the difference between year after year after year. That's one area of the wreck where you can actually watch the debris accumulate and watch the degradation accelerate. So on my first dive, you could actually, the the wall next to, to Captain Smith's quarters had been hanging there the year before and had collapsed over the winter before we got there. So the wall's now down and you can see straight into Captain Smith's ba- bathtub. Since then, and since 2020, since Victor Vescovo's expedition in 21 and 22, we've noticed that the ceiling and the walls and everything around Captain Smith's quarters have collapsed so dramatically that now the bathtub is full and it's fairly obscured and it's very, very difficult to see. And that's not from humans. We were the last people there and we're the first people back. We know what it looked like when we were last here and we know what it looks like today. It's simply from the degradation. And it's, an, it's, it's important to remember that with the Titanic, the Titanic's melting like a candle from the top down. The thinnest steel is on the top. The thickest is on the hull on the bottom. So the Marconi and the the roof above the Marconi uh, suite and the the, the the gymnasium and Captain Smith's quarters and things like that has always been thin. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's degrading rapidly. And it's really the consistency of wet paper. And it's, you can watch it undulate in the current. It's very, 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 very thin and fragile. At every day of the week. And it doesn't take, we don't land there. Dr. Ballard was the first to land there. You don't want to land there because you feel as though you're just going to crash through. It's very thin.
0: Serious? Sounds scary.
1: Yeah, it is. It actually is because, at the end of the day, you want to come up, and I've been yeah. stuck on the Titanic twice, and I no, and it's not you. no, it's not something you you would recommend to anyone. What happened? First dive, uh, we got stuck over underneath an overhang in the stern, and we couldn't see it, the stern? but we something. Yeah, the stern's really. It's like being at the World Trade Center on September 12th, 2001. I've spent a lot of time in the stern, and I don't care for it. It's not it's, – it's, it's hardly recognizable. It's, it's really devastated. It's depressing. It's sad. I told Jim Cameron once that the story of the sinking is in the bow, but the story – I'm sorry. The story of the ship is in the bow, but the story of the sinking is in the stern. The violence of the sinking is in the stern. Yeah. And the second time we were filming and, and the uh, television producers wanted us to get imagery of the reciprocating engines. But the uh, the current was pushing us into the engines. And we nearly were inside between the two reciprocating engines with the deck above us. It was very, very, very difficult to avoid being pushed in and it would have been a challenge to get out and I think we hit the skids or something, but, uh, that it was, if you listen to the audio of the, of the recording, you can hear me say, come pull up, pull up, pull up, pull up, pull up to the pilot because we were going in and I didn't want to be in there.
0: Uh, nope. I can only imagine the pitch in my voice. If I had been in there with you, I think you'd all be deaf. <laughs> Just
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was particularly bad because we had to do a go-around to get the shot perfect for the for the show. And we had to get lower, and the current was really strong, and it was pushing us in. So well, I didn't care for that experience. No
0: thanks. But that point you made about the story of the ship is in the bow, but the story of the sinking is in the stern— I was at the um, Titanic conference and it's a bit of a blur because you don't really get any sleep. Um, But I can't remember who said it, but someone was talking about one of their dives and how when they were around the stern, they could feel a palpable sadness or like a heaviness. And I, I believe that a hundred, a hundred thousand percent, because as you said, the weight of the tragedy, the last minute of many people's lives was there at the stern.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I go there for work. I, I get paid to go there and I, and not, I,
0: not for pleasure and to decompress.
1: No, nah, sorry. <laughs> that's, 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 so that's, yeah, it's, it's, I, I was always interested in going to the Titanic. I'm not anymore, but I was, and I was really excited the first couple of times I was there and I was talking about this with somebody today. I won't name the person, but they're very, very well known in the Titanic community. And we both agreed vehemently that the ship takes away more than it gives, and that we both believe it's cursed. And we both believe, uh, and I'm, and and, and he's, <laughs> he is not. It's not just the two of us. Uh, it is a in my experience after 20 some years with this shipwreck and with the people that explore the shipwreck and the people that that fast are fascinated by it i vehemently believe that it it is cursed and it takes away more than it gives and by that i mean you'll meet two of the greatest people you've ever met in your life and three of the worst every time that's a, like a two to you know, out of five people Two are people you really care about, and three are literally somebody you wouldn't want to deal with ever again and not even run into them at the bus station.
0: Without um, naming names, I was going to say, like, what are what are some experiences that people – because I'm trying to think – I know I, I don't have the world's best manners. I mean, I didn't grow up in a cotillion, but – I'm trying to think of like what in the absolute hell could you have the audacity to do on a trip to the Titanic that makes people just never even want to think about you again. I'm sure I'm going to be mad about the answer, but.
1: Well, you could take credit for finding it. That takes, that tends to piss people off. (laughs) Um, pretend you were out there in a canoe that, Mm. that comes, that comes to mind. Um, I could go down the list. There have been more lawsuits spurred by Titanic. It's like an annuity for lawyers that just keeps paying off. I've seen failed marriages. I've seen suicide attempts at the site. I've seen people on suicide watch at the site. I've had, um, oh, yeah, just just like there's some expedition. Well, one in particular, I won't identify it, but like most of us don't even talk about it. It's like a, we're in a 12-step program after that. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes like my most recent expedition and and last year with Ocean Gate, the last two with Ocean Gate were wonderful. They're really great. Wonderful people, people you really are, are, become close to and, and, and good experiences. And, and, but previously, and I think it's because a lot of people who, First of all, I don't understand, and I never have understood the Titanic community, That's and um, yeah, I just don't, I don't get it. I, I and it's not to be critical, but no. I just don't understand it. You know, I just don't, I don't understand the intense fascination. I I acknowledge that its existence, and I and I live in it, and I, I know lots of people I like very much or are, are completely consumed by it, but it's fairly unhealthy in my opinion. Um, it, it, it's easy to say that from where I sit, having been there five times,
0: sure. you know,
1: I like, I don't get it. Like I'm okay. It's Thursday and I'm on a Titanic dive. That's not a normal Thursday for millions and millions and millions of people. It's, the reason i share it with kids it's the reason why i i do these free programs for thousands of school children uh, all every year and the more i can engage the better off I, I feel because you know i can keep thousands of kids from becoming a lawyer and i can keep thousands of kids engaged in their passions and tell them you know if i can do it you can do it whatever it is it doesn't have to be going to the titanic it could be creating art it could be music. It could be chemistry. It could be physics. It could be being good to your sister. It doesn't matter if you're if you're passionate about it. You can pursue those passions and 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 be successful at it. And I'm living proof of that. So you know, I know I don't charge a penny for it, and I won't take any money. I never do, and I, I do it as often as I possibly can. Uh, any anywhere, I'm asked
0: i think that's great and you know one thing that you know i'm i'm i guess i'm kind of on the outskirts of the titanic community and that i'm in it but it's not like my full-time thing i have a normal nine to five and everything but my personal interest has always been in the human element of the story and in the people yeah. and preserving their voices it's not to say that the other stuff isn't interesting but you know, I'm a bit of a story chaser. So, you know, now that all the survivors are dead and their children are aging and their grandchildren are aging, we're getting farther and farther away from the primary sources where it's like, it, and eventually we're not going to be able to verify it anymore just because we're going to be too, too far away from the source material.
1: Correct. And, I mean, I, in, when I started this, I would regularly have children of survivors come up to me and talk to me about their mother or their father or their uncle or and I had a couple of survivors, but I always kind of got a kick out of the fact that Melvina Dean was apparently a wonderful lady who I never met, but she was six weeks old when it sank. Yeah. And oh just like a, a dog who wants to go. Um Aww. so it it she didn't remember anything and she would say she didn't remember anything, but she was a celebrity yeah. because she happened to be six weeks old when the Titanic sank. And she survived. But one of the best experiences I've had was two years ago, two and a half years ago, circumnavigating Ireland, looking for the, the important stories of the unimportant people. Yes. And we crawled around most places out of the way. We covered half of the country and Northern Ireland as well. And we found these stories and they're fascinating to me. And then, you know, I didn't know this at first, but I came to realize it two and a half years ago that my grandfather, who was born and raised on a tiny little island off the west coast of Ireland, uh, the westernmost inhabited place in in Europe, if he wanted supplies like bread and milk, he'd have to come to shore to a little town called Clifton. Well, Clifton is where the Marconi Station is. And he immigrated from Ireland in, in 1911. And stationed in in um, the Marconi station in Clifton from nineteen o eight to nineteen eleven was I think Jack Phillips, one of the two Marconi operators. Wow, and it's very, 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 very likely that my grandfather and the radio operator who passed on the Titanic passed each other in the street of this tiny little town or raised a pint in the pub. It's highly likely am I gonna write a book about it no but it it occurred to me while we were there after 20 years of involvement that this was inevitable because they had to come to the same community same little town to get bread and eggs and so it just seems seems possible over the three years before my grandfather left and 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 he left but,
0: probably eventually made eye contact in the street.
1: Yeah, most likely. And and so it's and so my grandfather came over in 1911 on another ship um, and my grandmother also came over. And I remember I did a, a trip to Ireland, a 48 hour trip to Ireland for another project, a secret trip that uh, we went to Cove and within minutes we were spotted. and. And and I was with somebody who's very much a celebrity in Ireland uh, regarding the Titanic. And I didn't know it, but I, apparently I'm known by eight people. But one of the eight people spotted us. And so then we had to meet the mayor and we had to do all this other stuff. And yeah, so it was it was interest. And I'm supposed to be there in total secret for another thing I'm doing. And Great
0: start to a clandestine mission.
1: Isn't it though? If you stay in the hotel next to the to the the White Star Line office where the museum is, you might get spotted by one of the eight people who knows who you are. And it it was it was instantaneous. And so it was kind of comical. But the the, the important point is both of my grandparents left from that spot. They both attended mass for the last time in Ireland at the cathedral in Cove. And that was a common experience with a lot of the people who were on the ship. Yeah, and their their backgrounds were common to a lot of the Irish ownership, especially the Adder Google Twelve and and other yeah. things. And to me, that is those are the stories I'd like to tell, and those are the people I'd like to highlight because I don't. I bought my motorcycle from the Widers. I I would go on rides with them and. I just don't care. I don't. I mean, I, I grew up in Philadelphia, and I, I emigrated from there a few years ago to Idaho, where my wife imported me. And I knew descendants from the Titanic, and I'd run into them at the local convenience store. And like I said, I bought my first motorcycle from them, my second motorcycle from them, and, and uh, it was a, it was, it was interesting, but irrelevant to me.
0: I get that. I um I think I've said it a few times before. It's not that I think that these people are necessarily garbage. It's just that if I never learn anything else about Astor, Guggenheim, or Strauss ever again, I think I'll be okay. And it's not because yeah. I think they need to be relegated to the, you know, dumpster of history. It's just cuz like how many books about these rich white dudes do I need to read? I'm over it i i like that's why i i I was lucky enough to get to talk to angelica harris and learn about um the paracchio brothers who worked in the a la carte restaurant unfortunately they didn't survive but it's like those are the stories i'm interested in people who were given a silk tie from their mother that you can see in the last photograph taken of them and like that's the story i'm interested in Uh, those are those are the beautiful stories that need that come that i think come out when you
1: really start it, to look it's so true it's it's the um the syrian immigrants and people say what there were syrians on the titanic or the six from china a buddy of mine yes, steven schwenkert made the six
0: i finally got to see that this weekend at the con that's about 60 percent of the reason i went because i've been chasing that stupid movie all over it was like because this, this is exactly the story i'm yeah. i want. Sorry for well, those I was, who don't know was, it's about the six uh Chinese uh survivors from the Titanic.
1: But I was gratified to show it at the site. <gasps> Stephen sent me oh, sent me uh, um I've I've known Steven for a while and 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 he's a he's a terrific guy. He's just a wonderful guy. So and nice. he he sent yeah, he's just wonderful. And and we met up in Beijing and he helped me through that traumatic experience of going to Beijing, China. And uh yeah which I'll never go back I'll never go back to China. However, uh we were ple- we have two daughters that are adopted from China and uh, I was pleased to show the six at the site. I'm sorry we couldn't get down and actually play it in the sub because we had technical difficulties, but right. we 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 put a reef on the wreck site for those and those six oh. and I was um I felt a little part of me was like, okay, this makes it worth it to be here. This is worth my time. And I would rather, again, tell the important stories of the unimportant people who my grandfather wouldn't have survived unless he was a steward or a, or a manservant to a wealthy first-class passenger. He had no chance of surviving. Yeah. And that's what you think about when you do land on the deck and you do look at the lifeboat davit swung out, you realize that somebody with all the ends in my name, if they're standing here on August 14th, 20, 19, or, sorry, 1912, they would be seeing lights off in the distance to the north. They would be hearing the commotion trying to raise those people that they wouldn't reach. And they would be thinking about their short you know, in the short time they had, they'd be taking stock of their life because they're not getting off. They're not getting out there. That, that lifeboat has already been swung out and gone for so Cosmo Duff Gordon, his wife, their maid, and two gentlemen mm-hmm. and seven people to row, who were each paid $15 to take a lifeboat meant for 65 away. So a gentleman could have his own private accommodations to, to leave the ship. Gross. Now, my grandfather would have, if he had a sh- uh, chance at all, it would have been on the starboard side in the last lifeboat because that's the only one the, that the immigrants really got on.
0: Yeah, my my parents and my father, my grandparents on my my father's side are both Indian. Mhm. Um, and neither of them left India be- before they died. Uh, my grandfather on my mother's side was from the Philippines, and my grandmother on that side is part Cherokee. Yeah. We were yeah. we were third classers, for sure.
1: Not a snowball's chance in hell you'd make it on a lifeboat. Not, no. not even. You probably wouldn't even make it to the. No deck.
0: mixed race woman, single. Forget get it. Out.
1: Get back down. and There's stare some the rich you belong. white.
0: Exa- there's some rich white person that needs that seat. You need to hustle.
1: From hustle. woman in a fur. Go away. Don't exa- don't come around here. There's. That, you know, she's got a big ass, so she has to sit on that seat. Somebody wearing a
0: peacock for a hat.
1: <laughs> and, and it's sad, but it's very, very true. Yeah, and my I mean... white grandfather would have had a better chance than you, but but mm. even that was slim to none.
0: Yeah. And it's... It, knowing now that it's like not only even if they had crammed those lifeboats full, if they had gone full Tokyo subway on them and just sardined it, that still wouldn't have saved everyone. There still would have been a massive amount of people that were just absolute toast right. through no fault of their own other than they were born. Let me see. Checks my notes. Not rich, white and male.
1: And slow because yeah
0: slow the, that's the other one you gotta be the able to only move
1: it. chance exactly because the six got on because they were quick mm-hmm. and it depended you had a 50 50 chance if you got yeah. on like i i found uh first officer murdoch's bag that he packed to take on the lifeboat <gasps> and yeah that was one of my my scores from twenty two thousand. 2000
0: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to react like a crazy person, but he no, is it's okay. my, he is the, he was my entry point to Titanic Officer Murdoch and his story. So that just blew my mind. Sorry, please continue. Yeah.
1: Well, I know what he packed for his you know when he was getting on the lifeboat because he knew he had a place.
0: Yeah, we're gonna circle around back to that
1: in a second. Yeah, we'll come back. So but the reality is if you were on sorry, hiccup his side of the ship, it was women and children only. And no, then that was Lightoller. I thought it was the other way around. I thought Light Lightoller mm-hmm. was women and children first, seeing Murdoch no more Murdoch was and first.
0: Lightoller was, was only. Yes. Uh, of the...
1: Thank you for the correction.
0: I mean, either way, there was one side that was definitively women and children Only and there was one side that was women and children first, which sounds like we're being pedantic, but it made a massive difference
1: staggering difference. It was the difference between 12 going out and 65 going out, exactly. Absolutely, and uh, to be very clear, if you spend three months of your life on that site, like I have, you'll spend two months, three and a half weeks, and 47 hours. Think shaking your head thinking, how was that possible? How was that which is one of the reasons why I'm sick of going there because it's it's not a it's not a, a light place to be. It's not no. I love it out there. I love being out in the deep ocean with the deep blue sea, and there's something profound about being on the side of this this tragedy. However, for the next 23 hours and 48 minutes of the day. You've got this heavy weight sinking on you, knowing it was this profound tragedy with so, so many opportunities for the outcome to be different. And and what's different, you know, is it I don't know the I, I, I get a kick out of people that fight over the exact number of people that survived and people that died, because it doesn't really matter. But okay. Pick a number, twenty two hundred, whatever it is. If it was I just use the big round numbers. Yeah, right. Me too. And I, I don't I don't even engage in these arguments with people because I feel like after a while, as much as I don't care, I also feel like I have the right to say it was too many people that died. And I'm not going to quantify 100%. whether it was 13 or 17. It, yeah, it, it was too many people. And it was too many, too many people like me. And it was too many people like you. And it was inexcusable. And it was through hubris and arrogance and stupidity. And some of the people I'm with are infected with hubris, stupidity, and arrogance. And it's hard to go unnoticed. And, but you, it's, I have to say, it's really not enjoyable to be there unless you can do something positive with it unless you can you can stimulate a child a child's brain let's stimulate a child that's awful but but you know like <laughs> wow stimulate a child's brain or or encourage them to do something that they're passionate about
0: right
1: like I watched Jim Cameron he and I do a program for for our school district huh. totally on the down low and it's Jim and I and another historian where we talk to the kids and Jim, God, I was wonderful watching him. All he did was take twenty some kids and say, tell me about you. Tell me what you're passionate about. Tell me what you like to do.
0: How many kids have an adult, not even an important adult, just an adult? Right. Not your mom and dad adult. Say, hey, I see that you are a admittedly small person but you're a person
1: he would never have said you're an admittedly small person never in a million years
0: that's what never. i said i didn't say he said yeah yeah, yeah, it. yeah
1: i said it <laughs> i won't say it either and and what was what was wonderful I, i've known jim a long time i like jim very 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 much i i you know we all have jim stories if you've worked with jim but on that particular night a couple days after his brother died unexpectedly, I watched him go really deep and engage with every single person on that, that zoom call in a class and give them a masterclass in storytelling, but reach out and talk about them, not him and tell me what you like. Tell me what you're passionate about. You like to draw. Tell me why, what do you like to draw? And if I interviewed you, I would want to see your drawings and I would ask you about your drawings. Every single person on that, which he did with my son as well, which is why I like him so much. But tell me about you and, and tell me who you are as a person, as an individual, and and I want to know about you and I will then help you be your best self. And that was Jim Cameron on titanic but jim cameron on storytelling and jim cameron on on how to make 20 some kids realize that they all have value and they all are important and they all are capable of doing whatever they want to do and that is one of the few things that i can say about my experience with the titanic that i cherish
0: well, I have a friend who's an absolutely massive fan of his. So next time you talk to him, let him let him know there's a podcast host out there that is a massive fan. It's not me; I am it's, a fan, but not nearly as big as she is. Can't claim. That.
1: I have to say this. So my son is 26, and and he is, you know, he's grown up. But he used to measure time in Titanic time because as a young <laughs> young boy, how old was he? He was probably three or four the first time i went to the titanic and i was gone for a long time and that was an excruciating period of time for a little boy to be without his father okay. and it was really at the limit of what he could bear probably past the limit so when i did these major expeditions after that he would say dad are you going to be as long as you are you going to be away as long as you're going to be for titanic and there was another one oh. i did called it, called atlantic sands which was only 12 days and he could do that and he, and he would okay. say as a little boy, are you going to be away as long as you were on Titanic or is it going to be like Atlantic Sands? Because I can do Atlantic Sands, but I, Titanic was really past my limits. Aww. So when he was in the third grade, I was general counsel to the X-Prize Foundation and the first private space flights were taking place of Spaceship One. And I sprung him from third grade and took him out to watch the launch. And Jim was there. And, and there's a couple hundred people there. And Jim was surrounded by people. And he saw me. And he said, I he waved. And I said, hey, if you don't mind, my son would really like to meet you. And it would really mean a lot. He said, no problem. Um, and then he got pulled into the mall. And, and and you know, the, the sleeve tuggers, as we call them. Hours later, after the flight, Jim was leaving. And I watched him across a crowd of hundreds of people. And he saw me. And he remembered his promise to, to, to say hello to my son. And from 50 yards away, he pivoted 90 degrees and came through the crowd. And he said, could I please meet your son? And Aww. I introduced my third grade son to him. And and he spoke to him. My son was frozen. He couldn't speak. But Jim <laughs> made that, made that um, pivot to see my son and say hello to him because he knew it was important to me and to Ian. So – Ian's now twenty six years old, and every time I talk to Ian and I mention that I'm going to be in or around Jim or, or you know it's not often I talk to Jim, every time I do he says tell him I said hi. Ah, that's cute. So all these years later, that impression that he made is still lasting, and I you know I'm mindful of that because I speak to thousands of kids every year, and I want them to come away from whatever conversation we have with that feeling like they mattered. And, and again, as much as the Titanic takes, which is more than it gives at least it gives that little bit where you can connect with some young person and let them know that they have value. Thanks for letting me go on about that.
0: No, I, I I love listening, and you know, I I'm I would I'm one of those people that is like I would like to visit Titanic, but I'm under absolutely no delusion that it's going it would be a pleasant experience. It's like I, I wouldn't be going there for a vacation. It's it's because I have interest in the stories. But like I said, I'd be aware I, I'm I would be aware that even if I did get the ability to go, it's like it's not going to be <laughs> it's not going to be a pleasurable meditative trip. It's probably going to require its own vacation afterwards.
1: And... It's like a 12-hour long blind date <laughs> where you experience every single emotion that you could possibly experience in 12 hours. There's fear, there's trepidation, there's anxiety, there's elation, there's there's comfort, there is satisfaction. Uh, if it goes well, then you want to have another. Uh, and And that's what it's like to dive. At yeah. The last two years, this is not a plug for OceanGate, but I think they deserve a plug. What is great about the experience that they've been able to provide to people is they've lined up the right people to make it fun. They've lined up the right people to make it valuable. And they've lined up the right experience to make it, you know, you're on an expedition You to, to make it authentic. So you're on an expedition to the Titanic. Right. You're there with me. You're there with P.H. Nargile. You're there with Rory Golden. Rory and I bicker like two old ladies, which is entertaining, apparently. I
0: was about and, to say, that sounds like fun in and of itself.
1: Well, it is because, you know, somebody said to me this year, uh, they didn't actually know who I was because I kind of keep a low profile. And until they looked through this book on all these expeditions and it said, photo by David Kincaid, photo by David Kincaid, photo by David Kincaid. And they realized that you know I've got this Isn't vast it? experience and um, just
0: hang on a second.
1: <laughs> correct, correct, and and I'm all about the experience of going on an expedition to the Titanic, and not about how many you know rivets were in this piece of hull plating because I don't, I don't know and I don't care.
0: I could and, not care less about that kind of right, shit. Sorry, right?
1: No, the the nonstop whippel bopper from the third class steering compartment of the port side
0: i don't remember any of that shit i remember people's names and like i don't know their stories but if you're like oh yeah the bulkheads i'm like i know what that is but like don't ask me any questions about it
1: yeah and, and to, truthfully if you're going to dive to the titanic it's not safe it's extremely dangerous and there's a very good chance you're not going to come up and I'll have that conversation with them and I'll tell them, look, I don't care if you're worth a billion dollars. It doesn't improve your chances. Unlike (laughs) that night on the ship when it hit the iceberg today, it doesn't improve your chances. You are doing something extremely dangerous and you're bolted in and you're, you're, you know, you're, there are these risks that cannot be mitigated. And if you're going to do this, it's because you're willing to accept these risks. And I'm not being dramatic, but I'll talk to your wife if she's here, she normally isn't. And, you know, and there was an experience I had recently where somebody said to me, what does this mean? And I said, it means in about eight to 12 hours, you're going to be a widow. That's what it means. Unless something changes and something changed and they weren't a widow. And those are the kinds of conversation and it's not and again, you know, you have to accept this. You have to you have to realize, and I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I'm not gonna say, I'll look for, I'll see you tonight, we'll have ice cream and cake and all this other stuff, because it's it's just not true.
0: Yeah.
1: It's it's not reality. And, you know, people say, Oh, I paid all this money, and you know, I don't pay that money, but I I still say to them, Yep you paid all that money and this is what you paid for. And to mitigate against not coming up tonight, you should do these things. And I'll give you a copy of my personal map and these things. So you can recognize what it is you're seeing on the bottom and you can navigate to where you want to be, or you can navigate out of harm's way and, and, and not rely on somebody else to tell you where you are. Because as of yesterday, they didn't know. And I want you to know that if you're seeing toilets or these metal objects or boilers or this is the difference between Coke and coal, that you'll know. And if I go with you tomorrow, I'll be able to explain it to you. But I'm not going tomorrow. I'm going on the next day. So that's kind of all I do. I'm like the Oregon Grinders monkey when I go out there, just entertaining people with my tin cup.
0: I did want to circle back to what I originally got massively excited about, which is Murdoch's, Murdoch's Bag. bag. <laughs> Can you tell me about that? When did you find it?
1: On my first or second dive.
0: Oh, and, man. What, an, what a feeling.
1: Well, you have to understand, when I went out there in 2000, I was, I was 34 years old. I This was, at that time, the experience of a lifetime. Yeah. And I was going with my heroes. And I didn't want to disappoint anyone. And I was making the first dive of the century. Mere one day, one dive one with Anatoly Segolevich and Ralph White. And I was the Jaffo, just the fucking observer. But I was going to be the best Jaffo you could ever see. And I knew that leather bags were high value targets. I knew that only a handful of them had ever been found. And I wanted to find leather bags. That was how I was going to prove my merit. And I don't remember if I recovered the bag on that dive or the next dive. But I know on the first dive, at the end of the first dive, we recovered Edgar Samuel Andrews' bag. I found his bag. And that's significant because he's the 17-year-old that posted a letter on Titanic Stationery from Sherbrooke, France. He was upset. He was 17. He was upset. So, I mean, I have a 17-year-old who's upset regularly. but <laughs> But he wrote a letter. And he posted from Cherbourg from a ship, saying, "You think, Josie, I'm about to go on the Titanic, the greatest ship in the world, and right now I was, I wish it was lying on the bottom of the ocean." Oops. Five days later, he got his wish, and then I found his body was never recovered, and I found his bag, and I brought it back to the world, and his family came forward with that letter. That to me is 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 important. <laughs> it's an important footnote, but it's important. And the next Mary. bag I found was was a, a doctor's bag. And we knew that doctor's bags were, if they had a lock on them, were important because the the purser safes were emptied into six leather Gladstone bags, which we call them doctor bags, where they have a leather latch that comes with a lock. Gotcha. So not only do you want to see a bag, but you want to find a Gladstone bag. And I found a Gladstone bag, and we brought it to the surface, and we opened, but they had me open it on camera. I can send you a photo. And I removed That's its crazy. contents. Yeah. It, it, the first one they found had $68,000 in banknotes and hundreds of gold coins or silver coins and Damn. gold, I think. 200 gold coins, jewels and jewelry. And because they emptied the purser safe from first class to the Gladstone bags, they tied six together by their handles and they dropped them in the water. <laughs> so that was – and and those types of currency and jewelry are not defined as artifacts. Right. On the list of things you can and cannot sell, they're not defined as artifacts. So anyway, anyway, so I found a Gladstone bag without a lock, and we brought it to the surface, and we opened it. And inside was a man's suit, toothbrush, shoe brush, shaving kit, shoe polish kit, and all the things that a gentleman would bring for an overnight excursion if he had to have a fresh freshly pressed suit and a way to polish his shoes and a way to brush his teeth and comb his hair. It took 12 years to identify that bag as belonging to first officer, William Murdoch. And I think eventually they were able to do it by the cufflinks, which were white star line cufflinks. And there were some other things inside that, that were made it identifiable. And, you know, you think about what did you, what did you contribute and I, I'm kind of proud to, you know, have that footnote that goes with it. But and then you can tell the story of Murdoch. Then you can tell the story. He was on the bridge when the Titanic struck the iceberg. He gave the he gave the command, you know, which ultimately was the wrong command. But it was the right command at the time. But the wrong command because the rudder was from a sailboat, not from a from a steamship. And you know they 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 hit the iceberg and they 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 glanced along at it tapped along and just cut like cat slicing down your arm. All that came from that. So in between the time they bounced along the iceberg and he had to go out and put people on the lifeboats, he packed a bag and this is what he put in it.
0: Where is that bag and its contents now?
1: Some of it's on display. Some of it's around. Some of it is, I think I did a program from Boise, Idaho on a Tuesday night. And 12,000 people tuned in live, which kind of shocked me. It's a lot me. for a Tuesday. It's a lot for a Tuesday from Boise, for David and Cannon from Boise, Idaho. I mean, like, I don't know <laughs> if you're going to, you're not going to set records with this podcast, but it 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 is, it was, I said to them, like, how many people are going to tune in here? Like, 100 from the local school districts? And I said, no, we already have 7,000 pre registered. <laughs> and they're families. So they're not, just one offs there and right. that ultimately I think 12,000 people watched it live and then I don't know how many since but that's incredible yeah and I, and I think some of his stuff was in the museum in Boise when I did it and you can tell because the 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 um, artifact tags are the first two numbers of the year they were recovered so anything with like a 20 was 2000 or, or zero zero actually mm-hmm. and I can tell what was recovered on my first expedition. And I can tell you who recovered it. I can tell you where it was recovered. Cause I have this memory of it and you know, it's, it was, I think we recovered about 800 artifacts on the 2000 expedition, but largely it was, it was front loaded. It was early in the expedition when I was still there. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you who did it because I was in charge of who was in the sub. I decided whether he made a dive or not.
0: Cool.
1: And uh, you know, so like somebody like Dave Walker, who, you never hear about Dave Walker, but Dave Walker is a hero because Dave Walker had the greatest eye, and he recovered the perfume samples. and, and
0: I knew I knew that name.
1: Yeah. Dave's, Dave is such a sweet, sweet guy and totally unrecognized. And, you know, like Jim Sinclair and Dave Walker and Rory Goldner and Ralph White. And, uh, you know, these are the people who you never know about. And I talk about Titanic by the rest of us when I give talks, like the rest of us that were out there that have done this repeatedly. And those are the people I give credit to. And some of the leaders in quotes, they didn't do a goddamn thing except show up for the cameras and have their Ballard hats on with the apulets and whatnot. Mm, sounds you know. like
0: a upper management to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and It's funny that some of the people that take credit for leading expeditions that I was on like, no, you didn't lead anything. You did not lead that. You can say you did, but you didn't lead it. You didn't do the work that was necessary to get the the ship out onto the water and charter the the subs and ships and do the personnel and everything. You know, you showed up for the cameras and that's, that's happened unfortunately multiple times and, um the good news is like again i go back to ocean gate one of the things i love about ocean gate is they don't do that shit they don't they don't they don't pretend they 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 spread the credit around and they're really steadfast about that and i really appreciate that because again they're not out there in a canoe
0: oh it's And I I think that especially with things like the Titanic, where it has become such a cultural phenomenon and so sensationalized and there's all these people now involved that you're always going to get those assholes who are like, I, I want all the credit, which really, at the end of the day, does a disservice to Titanic as a whole or to any other shipwreck, honestly, when it just becomes about that weird sort of power grab. So it's like, okay, well now we're too busy foc- focusing on your weird antics and we're no longer, we are wasting valuable time and preserving this legacy because you want to go play. I don't fucking know. Comic book villain.
1: Yeah. Like, like the old saying, there is no I in team, but there is a me. Yeah. And, I, I you know, you mentioned that you just came back from the convention that was in, I guess, Pigeon Forge. Yes,
0: yes it was.
1: I, I love John Jocelyn. I'm good friends with him, but I haven't talked to John in ages. I would go to Pigeon Forge to see John. I pro- John actually brought me into all this, but I probably wouldn't go to Pigeon Forge to be at a convention of Titaniacs. I I I just think that would be horrible. But it it would be <laughs> um again, the really nice good people but they all in my opinion not all most have kind of a look in their eye that is that tells me that uh, they, they couldn't tell you what I, I don't know they just seems to be sort of myopic about things and singularly focused and um, I just find it unappealing it, it's it's important if you want to highlight immigration and mm-hmm. class disparity and unfairness. And and I'm not woke. I'm not woke at all. But I don't think you need to be woke if you know how to be human. And That's if right. you know how to if you know how to be human, you can sit there and you can say, "It's not fair that my grandfather." Would, I'm sorry. i just have the hiccups. <laughs> the wrong time behind. to have the hiccups. Wow! <laughs> Poor timing. I'm so sorry. It's not your fault. You didn't give me. No, any. but I
0: mean, I get the hiccups at inconvenient times constantly, and mine are like wow. super violent. So mine will just be like yeah, interrupt so bear, everyone.
1: Bear with me, dear listeners, because nope. I've had a, a, a it's, it's the curse of the Titanic. I've had Poor a, David. a a spell of the hiccups. Um, in any event, as I was saying, uh, to to offend you. Uh, <laughs> It it just seems like, uh, yeah. I it's 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 entirely possible that there were twelve buttons on on Jacob Astors or whatever Mrs. Astors Bunions or whatever. However, who fucking cares? Who I'm sorry. Cares? Are people really talking about that? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. At down. the level that I see, sit down. Absolutely. absolutely.
0: Oh god.
1: And they. And, and so it's kind of, it's like, well, yeah, let's, let's focus instead upon, here's a good thing. Go to Belfast, talk to the people in Belfast, 14,000 Irish men spent four years building the Titanic, not a single Catholic, regardless they 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 sent it away. Somebody scrawled "no pope" inside it because they weren't going to bless it. They sent it away, and it took one dumb Englishman a, a week to sink it. And but those people are devastated, and those people today, well, two, as of two years ago, are devastated that this magnificent achievement in the history of this community was sunk in a week. Yeah. And they spent four years of their lives on the, the, the largest man-made movable, movable object in the world that was gone in a week. And they get, they're not part of the conversation. No, they're just not. And, and it was interesting going to Belfast and, you know, because we we went again to find the unimportant stories or the, the important stories of the unimportant people, but these are important people, and there's fourteen thousand of them. And the, the conversations that you can have about, you know, largely the Protestant areas of Belfast are down by the shipyards because that's where the jobs were, and they would they would walk to work. And if you were yeah,
0: no Catholics, that's where the Protestants no
1: Catholics, were. right? And if you were discovered to be a Catholic, they'd drop a hammer on your head from on high, and Yeah, and Lord Peary's
0: commands.
1: Yeah, well, Lord Peary wouldn't hire a Catholic ever. And, you know, well, we do not talk about that anymore because since last Wednesday, we're not talking about that anymore. That's the attitude in Belfast, right? You know, and, uh, but still, those stories are important. Those stories about the Industrial Revolution and pride in workmanship, and it doesn't matter what the religions are. But the the pride and, you know, you go to the the Titanic Belfast Museum and and they they focus on that to a certain extent, but not a lot, because they still have to have the exit through the Bob Ballard Theater, not the gift shop, but the Bob Ballard Theater, where he licenses for $400,000 a year footage that was acquired on my expedition, paid for by the taxpayers of the United States. However, he puts his little Institute of Exploration logo on a on an ROV that's photoshopped in, and he licenses that use. He gets four four fifty a year for that.
0: In case want to know what I was doing, I just took a giant drink of tea.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, again, there is no int, but there is a me. And and you've got this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful exhibit that has no artifacts in it. And talks about the building of the Titanic. And I think it would be terrific to open a pop-up exhibition across the street with artifacts. Yeah. I don't work for RMST anymore. And when I did briefly, they were excited about the opportunity to do that, which is why we were there. But you know, this, this is the kind of stuff that you kind of take a big, Like, like, like let's zoom out macro lens view of the Titanic. Mm -hmm. What does it all mean? What does, what can we learn from this experience? What can we learn from the ship? What can we learn from the people? You talk about there's so many different ways to slice the pie. Class uh, hubris, engineering, deep sea exploration, much of grace, yeah yeah you know I'll sit on a stage and have a a group talk about that. I'd love to i'd I'd love to refocus the conversation onto onto that and to me, that's the last thing that's interesting about it
0: yeah it's you know and again, it's not to say that the other things aren't interesting, but as right. you said the ship is it's it's deteriorating. Titanic will one day be gone, superstructure and all. We won't, it won't, there's gonna come a point before that even where it's just not safe. And then we're just gonna have to watch it fall apart from the distance. And once that's gone, you know, it, it it's wholly reliant on people to continue the narrative. And once the superstructure is gone and all that's just left to to be done, that kind of interest will fade away. And it's the human. Heart of the stories, it's the notion that, yeah, it's not just propellers and rivets down there. It's you know trunks that carried baby clothes and toys and people's whole lives, probably wedding dowries, the finest dress they could have ever afforded because they were going to America for funeral garb. There were people's lives that went down. and I it to me, it's really important to remember that at the heart of it, these were people. People, people steered the ship. They, they, they lived in it. They kept it running and it was people at the end of the day that are the greatest loss.
1: I can't say any better than that. Alexia, you just nailed it. You, you, you absolutely nailed it. You know, take a bow. You just got 10 tens from all the judges.
0: I appreciate that.
1: You no, know, it's true. It's really true. And and look, this is a guy who's who spent twenty two years of his professional life and five expeditions out there, and you completely nailed it and stuck the landing. It it, it is dissolving. If we are atta- attracted to the metal and the steel and the the small parts, we don't have a lot of time left to be having a conversation about that. However, 110 years later, we can always have a conversation about these these people who had hopes and dreams and, and aspirations. And, you know, you know I, I love the saying, if you want God to laugh, tell him your plans.
0: I've never heard that one
1: before. It's true. It's true. You know, I'm going on the Titanic, and I'm going to America, and I'm going to have a better life. Yeah. And in five days, depending on my class station in life and who I am and whether I'm male or female or Irish or English or Palestinian or Chinese, I'll have another day to talk about my aspirations, or I won't. And ultimately, uh, you know, it 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 just goes to everything that you and I ever experience. If if you if you want God to laugh, tell Him your plans. What do you want to do tomorrow? Do you want to take a drive? Do you want to go to work? Do you want to? What is it that you want to do? And 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 here they're 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 setting foot on a ship that was ill equipped to to handle an emergency with a captain that was pressured to set a speed record with a crew that was not trained for an emergency. And, you know, shit happens, but, but shit happens. And then you can, you can recover from it and go on. I live in a place where if you don't have a satellite communicator in your vehicle, cell phone service ends at the the end of the golf course. If I have a, a flat tire out in the wilderness, I've got a 30-mile walk back to civilization with mountain lions and bears and and wolves and coyotes. And I need to be prepared for that. I need to be prepared for a 40-degree swing in temperature. Yeah. I need to, you know, and, and maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm ill-equipped for that. But I have to handle the consequences. And sure. what we see with the Titanic is handling the consequences. And they did a poor job, and we have 700 and some people that live to tell about it. But, you boy, when you're there, out there, sub in the water, sub out of the water, doesn't matter. When you're out there and you realize how remote this place is, you realize this is the last place you want to be in a lifeboat. This is the last place you want to be – be floating on the surface in 32, 32 degree water. This is the last place you want to be hoping that help will arrive. It's yeah. absolutely hopeless. Absolutely. And I'll often go out on the deck all times of the day or night, mostly at night. When I arrived for the first time, it was a moonless starry night. And I didn't know what that was until I arrived at the Titanic site on a moonless starry night at four in the morning, three in the morning when the ship had sunk and help was not on the horizon.
0: Right.
1: And it is, it is hopeless. It is really hopeless. And you can't help but feel that. And, when I made my first dive, I was so preoccupied with where was I and where could I get stuck and where could I you know what could trap me here, that I never thought about the people and the and the sinking and the people that were lost and i I came up and later that night or the next day, it hit me like a a house falling on me. You asshole, you jerk. you never once thought about in that six hours you spent on the wreck the story of the sinking. It it hit me like literally the house falling on the the Wicked Witch and the Wizard of Oz. The next dives, it was ever-present. It never went away. And so you think about that. You think about, all right, you've just done something that that fewer people, fewer people have stood on the summit of Mount Everest in a single day than have ever seen the Titanic underwater. It's still true, even though we've put, you know, another 20 people down there in the last two years. It's okay. still true. More people will stand on the summit of Mount Everest in a single day. And you you have this rare opportunity to, to see this place and see this object, see this, this thing in the state it was in the moment it sank. Minus the degradation. And you, you can't help but feel what you would have felt if you were standing there on that night because time is compressed, right? It's, de- it's degraded, it's melting, but time is still compressed. Mm-hmm. The lifeboat davits are still out. Right. You know, the, 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 the destruction is still there. And again, you just, you just, I just think you're the biggest asshole that ever walked the earth. If you can't imagine What it would have felt like to you had you been there on that night.
0: No, I think I would be openly weeping. Like, I'm I'm not saying that to be silly. I I think that would have that would be my instant react. The first reaction might be there it is. And then just even if I didn't intend to, it would just be a waterfall of tears because it would be like, oh, no, there it is.
1: It is. That's exactly right unless you're callous and you just are there to check a box. But if you're it is that kind of it.
0: person I would very much like to step on you.
1: <laughs> Some of them go there.
0: I want to step on them. Just like a fucking
1: terrier. I'll give you your, I'll give you their names. I mean it's it's
0: so we can have that we can have that talk off there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it it's um it's part of it, and, and so you have to ask yourself: if you're in my position, is this something I really need to make my life complete? Do I need to go back a sixth time?
0: Sure. What do, do I you, need to see? Any... I mean, do you?
1: Yeah. No. Do you? Um, no, unless unless somebody I really like and I really care about says I could really, I would, I want to share this with people I love and care about, and I would really feel like you could help me do that. And under those yeah. circumstances, and there are a couple of people who have asked me, I, I went, I went back this year for Renata Rojas because Renata is somebody who I look at and like me, she was told she would never be able to achieve her dreams. She would never be ever be able to do something like this because she was a woman and she wasn't of the right background and she was a brown skin and, 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 you know, much like me, I was told I would never achieve anything great in my life. And then, you know, I'm sitting on the Titanic and I'm singing, fuck you, Gene Cern, and look where I am. But, but Renata, who I, I, you know, I just, I just think she's one of those people who you're just better off for having had the opportunity to know her. She's a really special person. And she dreamed about this for years, and I wanted to help her achieve her dream. And I wanted to, uh, sadly, I wasn't there when she was able to do it, but I was there the week before and the year before. But it's it's people like Renata who, 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 who want this for the right reasons, and you know, to the extent that I can help them achieve that, I'll do it. You know, I don't have ten days. I don't ten days, 10 days is a lot of. I don't have ten free days. I don't get to spend that with my family.
0: It's a big and, chunk.
1: It, it's it, it is and sadly for me it is and my where I am in my life, I don't get ten days to spend with my wife and my kids. I just it just it's it's non-existent. Yeah. So to spend 10 days floating around at the Titanic for the fifth time is is a luxury that is I'm depriving somebody else to do it but to to go out with somebody like Renata who deserves this. And so, anyway, where am I going with this? But to, 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 you know, so so when you think about would I go back? I went back this year for Renata and a, and for for another person who I I deeply mm-hmm. care about and I want to sure. help them achieve their dreams. Otherwise, <laughs> nope.
0: <laughs> well, nope. well, David, if I ever have the disposable income to be able to go down, I would invite you to come with me. <laughs> Just Thank saying. You. But um, I do, I, ha- I have kept you for more than I intended to. And I want to thank you, first of all, so much for sharing your stories and then just for your time, because as you've mentioned, your time is very
1: precious. I don't wish my time was precious, Alexia. I just wish I, 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 I truly yearn for the day when I can yeah. say I want to spend an hour with somebody that I just want to talk to without having to worry about who's getting shorted and and. I, I, am not there and I wish I was and hopefully soon, but look, you've been a, you've been a great listener and, and I appreciate, I, I don't, I don't mind spending this time with you. I don't care if nobody else listens to this. It was just nice to have a conversation <laughs> with you. you it, it's, 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 um. you gave me an opportunity and I want to thank you for this. You, thank you. You gave me an opportunity to tell my, my story and my perspective. And it's different from what you might hear from other people, but I'm not trying to promote anything. I, I just, I know there are millions of people out there that care about this ship and it's people that were on it. And I've had the luxury of, of seeing it many, many times and I've had the luxury of being paid to see it and not having to pay for it myself. And (laughs) it, 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 it's better that way, but right. You know, look, please let me say this. At the end of the day, it, it matters more to me personally that you care about something, that you are passionate about something, that you care about something enough to spend an hour talking to me. I'm not that interesting. I'm not that important. I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not. A, I'm not a big deal. I have some experience and some perspective and to you and your listeners, if you're, if you care about something and deeply enough to spend an hour with me, then, you know, like, good, go for it. Do something. Uh, Engage, talk to somebody else, Uh, do more research, keep somebody from becoming a lawyer, talk to them. (laughs) You know, engage with a young person, uh, to you know, to talk to them and encourage them. To um, the last thing I'll say like, I here's the greatest thing that came out of Titanic for me this year, aside from taking people I care about, there I was asked to do a talk to a business group and they offered me a staggering amount of money like, a, a
0: business group,
1: it was a stupid, stupid amount of money. Like, embarrassing. <laughs> and I and I don't charge for talking to kids. And I don't have, a like, a basis for it. But it was a lot of money. It was like... Yeah, you don't say new... no to that. Well, I only well, said I yes for one reason. No, I said, like, this was a new Rolex. It was a new motorcycle. It was a semester <laughs> of college. See. And I would only say yes to it on the caveat that they donated my speaker's fee to a charity in rural Idaho that ha- has no idea who I am to help victims of sexual assault.
0: Uh, that's incredible.
1: And I agree to it. If, and if they would take this stunning amount of money that they offered me and donate to the chapter that has no idea who I am, if this charity, they have no, no clue who I am yeah,
0: exactly. to help
1: out of the blue the biggest donation they've ever received to help victims of sexual assault in rural Idaho came from a guy who was talking to somebody about what it's like to go to the Titanic. And That's to incredible. me, I, I smile. I really like that. I like, you know, they paid me $300 a minute. Ooh. And yeah, that, that is a stupid amount. <laughs> it is. And it, it really is. And it went to, people i don't know i've never met i've never spoken to to do something really 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 important for people i'll never i'll never meet but i really 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 care and so to the extent i can i can take my experience and turn a negative into a positive and have this ship give more than it takes I'm I'm quite pleased to do it. So thanks for letting me tell that story. But
0: thank you for telling me. That's that's incredible. And don't undersell yourself. Not only was this, as, was this an absolute delight, but I loved hearing your perspective because let's be real. I'm probably never going to go down there. And you know it's nice to hear from someone who really has. And you know it's good that you were honest about things because, like we said at the end of the day, this is about humans that met a terrible, sad end. And that it's a rippling impact. But again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for everything you've done, for the donation, for talking to me and to children. And just thank you for coming on.
1: <laughs> hey, look, I, I appreciate the invitation. And I I truly, truly believe that this is the only good thing that comes out of 20 some years of experience with this this rack and to have the opportunity to speak to you and and your listeners is is really special to me and I'm I'm grateful to be asked so thank you
0: thank you I really I I have to thank David again for for giving up his time he's such so busy and the fact that he was able to take this time out to talk to me about titanic was an honor i was so grateful to hear his experience and his insight um and if you want to know more about david you can go ahead and look up the most recent ocean gate exploration and that will um give you a good idea as to what he's been up to you'll be able to see some of the photos and videos from that most recent dive and if you just google him as well you'll be able to see some of the other things that he's done and um if you're curious about things like that you should also start getting curious about getting in touch with the show you should like me on social media the username is titanic talkline on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook just to make it super easy And if you want to send me an email, it is titanictalkline at gmail.com, and I would love to hear from you. If you email me and let me know your address and or that you're a fan, I'll probably, and by probably, I mean definitely will send you a handful of merch supplies. And if you want some fancy merch, like a t-shirt, you can find the link for that in all my websites on my link tree. And I hope to hear from some of you, and I will see you in the next one. Bye! Titanic Talkline was created and produced by me, Alexia. Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word, Titanic Talkline, T-I-T-A-N-I-C-T-A-L-K-L-I-N-E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at Titanic Talkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's Titanic Talkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!